Today is my wife's birthday, so once I come down off the roof, we're going to celebrate. I'm excited. Uh, although we have, we're going to have three birthdays in our family during this quarantine season. Mine was like three weeks ago. So I think everyone that had a birthday during quarantine season should get a birthday uh, do-over. But that's for another time. <laughs> Let me pray for us and then we'll get into John 16. Jesus, quiet our hearts. I pray that you might have your way in our hearts, that you might work in us. That today, as we look at your teaching on the Holy Spirit, that you would shape our thinking, shape our affections, shape our experiences. We want to be your people right now in this moment. And uh, it's challenging to do so. But I'm so encouraged to hear of so many people um, doing things to serve. I uh, heard of a friend yesterday buying a sewing machine and sewing masks for people in the hospital. And people giving away food and taking care of each other. And I'm just so encouraged by that. So I just pray that you would help us even today by what we learn. Help us to be the people of God in this moment and wherever we are. It's no accident that we are here now. You saw this coming. You had us in this moment, uh, and you're going to use us. And so we ask that you would guide us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in John 16. We've gone through John 13 on Sunday, and then John 14 and 15, and then today John 16, and tomorrow John 17. That will be the last chapter in the farewell discourse before uh, John 18 when Jesus is betrayed and arrested and we'll look at uh <clears throat> we'll look at those on friday morning uh and then the crucifixion we'll look at friday night by the way uh, someone texted me last night and asked what are we doing for good friday and just like we had a service on sunday that was video cast we're going to do that again friday evening so we'll have a friday evening good friday service on facebook and youtube that you can watch and then we'll also have um, an Easter Sunday service that you can watch. So, good stuff. Uh, one of the peculiar verses in John 16, in the farewell discourse, is verse 7, where Jesus says this, I, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Now, remember, this it's nighttime. Uh, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the time when Jesus has shared the Last Supper with the disciples, and he's about to be arrested just hours away from that and the whole trial starting. And uh, he's given them a lot of vague instructions about what's about to happen. And then he says this, it's for your benefit that I go away. And, and sit for that in a moment. I mean, if you could have Jesus walk with you through this time face to face, uh, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be amazing to have him right by you, physically present, right by you? But Jesus says this, I am telling you the truth, it's, it's for your benefit, disciples, that I go away. And the reason he says this is because Jesus could only be in one place at one time. And God becoming man in Jesus, he chose to limit himself and be in one place at one time. Have one conversation at a time, encourage one person at a time, do one set of teaching at a time. But then Jesus goes on to verse 7 to say, because if I don't go away... The Counselor 
the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. It's a reminder that Jesus is going to ascend to heaven and he's going to be seated at the right hand of God. And then on the day of Pentecost, he is going to send the spirit and the spirit is going to be poured out on people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. Now, the Holy Spirit had been present in the people of God in the Old Testament, but usually the Holy Spirit was given by God for just a specific time or a specific task. But what Jesus is saying is when I go to the cross, when I, when I come back from the dead, when I ascend to heaven, I will send the Spirit in this era of the new covenant, and the Spirit will permanently indwell people who believe in me. In fact, the Old Testament is full of prophecies about the time when the Spirit would be poured out without limit. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. One of the things we like to do at New City is we like to celebrate both Ascension Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. Um, uh, some days after Easter, I think it's 40 days after Easter, uh, is Ascension uh, Sunday or Ascension Thursday, but we celebrate it on Sunday. It's a reminder of when Jesus went and ascended to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God in power. And then after that, Pentecost Sunday, when he poured out the Spirit, it's a celebration of Jesus' continued work, not just, uh, not just Advent and Christmas and Easter, but the ascension and Pentecost. And what I want to do today is just take some time to unpack what Jesus is getting at about the Holy Spirit in this particular chapter in John 16, because he's come at the Holy Spirit of several different times. He's, he's brought him up in the midst of this farewell discourse. One of the things he says is that the, the Spirit will come and convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin and righteousness and judgment. Um, Jesus came into the world preaching the need for the forgiveness of sins. He came into the world as the Lamb of God to take away uh, the sins of the world. And um, when, he, when he went against the establishment and sort of called out the, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees, they did not like his convicting them of sin. And the world doesn't like the Spirit's convicting of sin. In fact, the world doesn't like us when we say there is sin and it exists and all of us fall short of the glory of God. But that's one of the things that the Spirit comes to do. The, the Spirit's message to the world is that you are sinful and you need forgiveness. But the world will be at odds with this. And so if you are full of the Spirit and you, are, um, you're not, you don't mince words about there being sin in the world, you will have opposition as well. The Spirit also came to convict the world of righteousness. And when Jesus says that, he says, because I'm going to the Father, and it's sort of an allusion to the righteousness of his life, his death, his resurrection, and, and all that he's done. In other words, the Spirit has come to point people to the righteousness of the work of Jesus uh, and, and their need for that righteousness on their behalf. But then also judgment. The Spirit has come to convict the world of judgment. And he says, um, he says something about the, uh, the, the devil, Satan. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Um, one commentator talked about the unsuccessful 
rebellion of Satan. And if you think about the Spirit coming into the world uh, to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment, and that specifically that judgment is around the unsuccessful rebellion of Satan, um, the, the Spirit has a lot of work to do in the world. Uh, many people don't even believe that, uh, that Satan exists. Um, but yet part of what the Spirit is doing is showing people that there is a dividing line. You are either following Jesus or you are part of a kingdom of rebellion and darkness um, against God. But the good news is the Spirit will do that. He will convict of sin and righteousness and judgment and bring people to Jesus. I mean, if you yourself are resonating with these words right now, you might go, that was me. I was saved out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And so the Spirit is at work doing the impossible in the dark hearts of humankind right now. And I find that encouraging. Well, on a more personal level, how do you know if the Holy Spirit is working in you? How do you know if the Holy Spirit is actually in you? Well, well the good news, he says... Did you receive the Spirit by the works of law or by believing what you heard? I had a friend who um, was preaching at a church, and uh, the preacher before him, it was in a different country, and the preacher before him got up and said, let's, let's practice so much righteousness. Let's be so passionate about God. Uh, let's follow God so fervently that he's forced to pour out the Holy Spirit on our country for revival. And my friend just got up and read this verse and said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of law or by believing what you heard? In other words, we don't get the Holy Spirit because we're good. We need the Holy Spirit in order to be good. Uh, it's not that we're passionate, if we're passionate enough about God and his things, God will fill us with the Spirit. No, we need the Holy Spirit to be passionate about the things of God. And why that's incredibly helpful is because it allows us to be who we really are. We are weak, sinful people who struggle to believe. And the Holy Spirit came to empower weak, sinful people who struggle to believe. So be encouraged this morning. If you know Jesus Christ, you have access to the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. You can pray, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today and help me follow Jesus. I am a weak, sinful person who struggles to believe and I cannot do it without your help. Be encouraged by that. A couple things, just side notes um, on the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a feeling. He's a person. He's not a feeling. Your feelings are your feelings. Your feelings are your feelings. Uh, that you have all sorts of feelings. And just because you have a feeling, it doesn't mean that the Spirit is doing something in you. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a feeling. But sometimes His presence does produce feelings. Uh, sometimes when He's with you, you feel comfort or you feel conviction or you feel confident in God, or you feel humbled before God, or you feel love for God, or love for neighbor, neighbor, or he gives you perspective. But uh, a lot of times, I think, and especially in our cultural moment, we pursue the Holy Spirit as if it's a feeling that we've got to catch. Like if he can just sort of keep us going and keep, I mean, that's kind of like the summer camp mentality, where you go to summer camp, and summer camps are great, but you get on this high, and then you come down in the real life, and you're like, I gotta go back to summer camp to catch that high again. The Holy Spirit's not like that. The Holy Spirit actually wants to meet you in the lows and, and empower you to walk the Christian life. I mean, that's really the role of the Holy Spirit. First and foremost is that he wants to empower you to, to live out the Christian life. So I'm just going to read you some things that the Holy Spirit does in us. 
Galatians 5.16 tells us that he helps us fight against sin. Galatians 4.6 says that he gives us confidence that we are children of God. Titus 3.5 says that he regenerates and renews us. Romans 15.13 says that he empowers us in faith and hope in God. John 14.26 that Jesus has just said, reminds us, he reminds us of Jesus' teaching. Uh, Acts 1.8, he empowers the church to speak as witnesses for Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12.13, the Holy Spirit unifies us with other believers to be the local church. Uh, so let me encourage you, if you're not part of a local church, you're not really letting the Spirit work in you, because what part of what He wants to do is empower you to live with other sinful, broken people who struggle to believe Jesus and be a family together. And that's part of the work of the Holy Spirit, that He is going to empower you to live the Christian life, not necessarily escape the world, but live the Christian life in this broken world as a broken person. So uh, one of the great things about that is we can be honest about who we are. We don't have to hide our sin from the Holy Spirit. He already knows. Uh, we don't have to pretend we're more faithful or strong than we really are. He already knows. But he wants to meet us in that sin, in that weakness, in those struggles to believe, and empower you as you really are to live the Christian life. And that is one of the amazing things about the Christian life and one of the, one of the sort of the, the things that really unlocks um, you growing as a Christian is when you start just admitting who you really are and asking the Spirit to really work in you. Sometimes we pretend we're better than we are, and that limits, uh, that limits, or that, that, that's like putting a hand up to the Spirit really working in you. So be, uh, admit who you really are to the Spirit. The power for the real Christian life is available to you as you really are, as you trust Jesus. But then uh, in verse 13, Jesus says something interesting that we touched on yesterday and I want to get into more today. It says, uh, Jesus says that the Spirit will guide uh, you into all truth. And of course there's layers to that, but let's think about that for the original uh, people that were, Jesus was speaking that to. That, that was not originally spoken to us, it was spoken to the disciples that were with him as he was giving this farewell discourse. And he said this, I believe it was the last chapter, and in context, what that means is that is a promise to the disciples that the Spirit would help them write this. That the Spirit would guide them into all truth, that they might be able to write the scriptures down, to write the gospels down, the gospel uh, recordings down, and give them to us. And that should be an amazing promise that as we look at this, like one of Jesus' promises was that the Spirit would empower those disciples to write these things down so that we might have it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, one of the works of the Spirit is to give us this book. One of the things that's happening right now is there, there's like two camps and there's like the word people and then there's like the experience of the Holy Spirit people. And I think that's a mistake um, because when you open this book, you are experiencing the words of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus just said. Um, but it's not meant to just read and, and, and then rack up knowledge up here. It's meant to be lived out. And we live that out by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so 
to, to sort of separate the two and go, uh, well, I'm an experiential spirit person or I'm a Bible only person. It doesn't really make sense because if you want to experience the spirit, here's the words of the spirit. But if you want to live out what the spirit has said, you got, you got to start here and ask him to empower you. And so these things really shouldn't be at odds. Um, I was talking with someone a while back and they were talking about their experience of the Holy Spirit. And, and I took them to the word and I just said, listen, I understand that you feel that you have had this experience with the Holy Spirit, but it says right here clearly that that is not what the spirit does. Uh, that's not how you experience the Holy Spirit. And, um, and they were like, well, I, I kind of know what I know. I know what I experienced. And I said, but this is the words of the Spirit. How could the Spirit say it this way and, and be very clear that that's not an experience of the Spirit, but then you feel that your experience of the Spirit is legitimate? It can't be both ways. The, you have to be able to join the two. And sometimes what that means is our, our thinking about our experience of the Holy Spirit is just our feelings. It's just our emotions. It might be just our intuition or imagination. Uh, Paul says in Galatians, and this, this scripture kind of blew my mind, but Paul says in Galatians 1 that um, if you were to have any angel come to you or anyone come to you and preach a different gospel than, it, than it's in here, uh, it should be anathema. And I thought about that and I was like, wow, how many times do we think that our spiritual experience trumps what this says? And what Paul is saying is like, no matter what spiritual experience you have, if it doesn't match up with here, it's not from Jesus Christ. It's not of the Holy Spirit. And so take that word and really think through your own life as you experience things. Does it line up with what the Spirit has written here? But then as you study the Bible, are you praying to actually live it out? Like are you just reading it and going, oh, I know some new stuff. I've got some more theology. My theological ducks are in a row now. That stuff's important. But if you're just in an ivory tower learning stuff, you're not really living in the fullness of the Spirit and, and living out what the Spirit has given us. And so be encouraged. These are the words of the Spirit. There's also a little confusion about the role of the Holy Spirit and ultimately what, he, uh, what he's there for. In verse 4, chapter 16, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will glorify me. In other words, the work of the Spirit is like pointing a finger, and that finger is always pointing to Jesus. He, he's not trying to get your attention on him. He's trying to get you to see Jesus in a deeper, more full way. And there's some confusion around that as well, because some people will say one of the main things that Jesus came to do was teach us how to live in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus was a man who was fully in tune with the Holy Spirit, and that, that's true. That's true. Um, but you have to be careful there that you don't change the Holy Spirit pointing to Jesus to Jesus pointing to the Holy Spirit and that being the main thing. Because Jesus says right here, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. In fact, even before you were a Christian, the Holy Spirit was at work in you trying to get your attention and open your heart and get you to see what a wonderful deal God had given you in Jesus Christ, that you as a sinner uh, could come with your sin to Jesus Christ by grace, and he would forgive you. The Holy Spirit was trying to get your attention, and from that time onward, pointing you to Jesus Christ. Jesus himself teaches in John 3, and we went over this, that, um, that we need the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. Titus says it as well, or Paul says it as well in Titus uh, chapter 3. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit to even find Jesus, but that's what he does. He helps us find Jesus 
and he helps us walk with Jesus, and he helps us see Jesus. He points to Jesus. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. I hope that you've been encouraged this morning just to think about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He's present with you. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Spirit. Now, the Spirit has been poured out. We don't need the Spirit to be uh, poured out again, in a sense, because he has been poured out. Uh, we want a movement of the Spirit, though. Uh, we want to be filled with the Spirit. And so I would encourage you today Jesus, thank, to, to pray, Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Would you fill me with him again today so that I could be empowered to live the Christian life? And I want to pray that for you right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit into the world to fill people uh, of every tribe, tongue, and language. And we pray this morning that you would fill us with your Spirit. We need the power of the Spirit so that we won't be afraid, but we'll be confident in what you're doing. We need the power of the Holy Spirit so that we uh, won't fall into sin as we try and deal with this stress, but rather we'll, we'll rest and trust in you. We need this Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be reminded that we're children of God, and we need the Holy Spirit so that we too can glorify Jesus just like it is the role of the Spirit. And so we ask, Spirit, come, fill us, help us, be with us today. In your name we pray, amen. Zoom call tonight at 8 p.m. We will pray together around these things, and then tomorrow we will be in John chapter 17 at 7 a.m., one of my favorite chapters in the Bible that I have just come to over and over and over again. So read that tomorrow morning, and we will see you then. God bless you all.